The following is brought to you with no commercial interruptions. Listen up. Yeah, it's just, I mean, it's, and here, like, like everyone is taking it relatively seriously, mm-hmm. but I don't know anyone that I feel like is, is panicked. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I say that, but on the other hand, there isn't any flour or yeast at the grocery store. How about toilet paper? Plenty of toilet paper. Yeah. Oh, wow. And that's like the first thing that, that people said here when they heard about like the toilet, the runs on toilet paper, like in, in the US and Canada and Australia is like, don't those people have showers? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'd hear. Like, like this comedian saying, it's like, it's like, if you're stuck at home all day, you don't need toilet paper. Just hop in the shower and hose down. Yeah, exactly. Like, what are you people doing? And then there's also been an up, like a huge uptick in sales of like bidets and stuff like that, or like attachments to toilets and mm-hmm. stuff. I haven't talked April into that yet. I'm all, I'm all for it. Oh no, I'd love it. I, I would, I would like it too. But you know, it's better for the, better for the environment. Oh yeah, yeah, most definitely. I cut down on those uh, fat bergs. Yep. Yep. Save trees. Save trees. Smoke trees. Yeah. yeah man no um the best argument i ever heard for bidets was if you got shit on your hand (laughs) would you just like wipe it off with a piece of paper and say okay that's good enough obviously no you would wash that shit off yeah we should be i I was thinking it's like oh people like oh you know just kind of wash my hands or whatever like that it's like no you have to be washing your hands like you were wiping and you accidentally got a piece of shit a little bit of shit on your hand how how thoroughly do you wash mm-hmm. in that situation as opposed to just yeah. like, oh, I'm just going to wipe my hands under the water. It's like, no, you get in there and you <laughs> make sure. Right. Well, what people, what people should be doing is every time they go to the bathroom when they're done, start playing Lucan and wash their hands <laughs> until the song's over. There we go. Hey. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 8 of the Better Band Podcast, an all-encompassing trip through the Pearl Jam catalog. I am your host, Brandon Palomo. Each episode, my guest and I go track by track through every album, soundtrack, and single to discover why you simply can't find a better band. This is Brandon, and this is the Better Band Podcast, as you know from the intro that you just heard. Why do I keep saying that? You know it's the Better Band Podcast, because I just said it a second ago, but oh well. People skip the intro, bro. Oh well. Just in case people don't know, they hit the 30-second skip or whatever because they don't want to hear the the bullshit in the front. But anyway... We're talking about no code, and we're going to talk about the song Lucan with my buddy, friend of the podcast. Yeah. It's contractually uh, obligated yes. that I mention that now every time that he's on, Kevin Lassard. Hi, Brandon. I am so happy to be your friend and a friend of this podcast and to be back on to talk about the Pearl Jam song that I probably have the most actual playing experience with, Lucan. Yes. Eddie Vedder wrote it uh, way before other no-code songs, and uh, it's mm-hmm. their pretty much shortest song, even though they play, it's a fast, 
punk song. And uh, even though on the record it is a little bit slower than they uh, than they play it live. I think you can probably blame Brendan O'Brien for that. I think he probably was the one who made the decision to make them slow it down so that you could actually understand some of the lyrics, some of the lyrics. Well, if you you know, if you uh, if you have the E version of the No Code uh, album, you are going to look at your Polaroid 9E and you're going to see the weird circle spots sort of thing. I don't know what the heck that is or what it's supposed to be. But uh, you flip it over, and then you got the the mm-hmm. lyrics for the most part for the song, so you can follow along. For the most part, uh, so the song is a reference to the Mud Honey and Melvin's bassist Matt Lucan. Yeah, and uh, legend has it he told Eddie, "Hey, your songs are too long," and so he said, "Oh yeah, you know what? I'm gonna write a real fast short song then." Yeah, Matt Matt Lucan, uh, in inspired the format of the song being short he also inspired the title of the song mm-hmm. and the the chorus of the song yep because eddie would go to his kitchen while he uh i guess the quote is yep. he had a pretty serious stalker problem which he mentions in the pj20 uh documentary where he talks about a stalker driving through the wall in front of his house mm-hmm. and my wife um told me that for in preparing for this podcast, I had to look up and see if I could find out the name of this stalker. And I I was too lazy and didn't do it. <laughs> oh, okay. That's probably a, a good thing. We don't want to blow up people's spots like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's not Florida where they, uh, you know, tell everybody about everything in somebody's uh, criminal history and stuff. Right, exactly. Um, let's see. It's um, the first Pearl Jam song that I learned to play. On guitar, it's the first one I learned to play on drums as well. So yeah, we in our band, we uh, we we would bust this song out as a cover. Yep. This. Uh, so I wanted to ask you that actually. I remember mm-hmm. it almost exclusively as a sound check song. Uh, we played it in the middle of. We played it for actual in our actual set list and stuff like that too. Did we? I didn't remember ever doing that. But I was. I mean, I drank a lot back then. So. <laughs> no. Yeah. We we uh. We did it in set lists. Like I say, I, like it's the perfect sound check song. It was a brilliant move because it's easy. Everyone plays. It's fast and loud, and it's short. And so, like once you've done the whole like, just play your snare, man. Bop, 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 and then he sort of got the levels set. Then he's like, hey, play something, and then we could always just like whip this out, and everybody was in the whole time, and he could do his final adjust on the levels. 
Yeah, when we played places that actually mic'd us up and everything, and we weren't just, uh, hey, you, can you stand out in the audience and tells me who, <laughs> tell me who needs to turn up and turn down? <laughs> right. But even in those cases, we could play Lucan for that, and it's like, oh, no, it sounds fine, man. Yeah. You ain't got the little dee-doos, so you can kind of differentiate between the, mm-hmm. the guitars and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. So, let's, uh, the, 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 the song, the song itself, I mean, it's a... Uh, it's really short. It's a minute and the 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 minute uh, sixty two seconds long. Yep, sixty two seconds. Yeah, shorter than that live usually. Yeah. Um, it's got three chords in it, E, D, and C. Mm-hmm. And I wanted the the other question I wanted to ask you about it is, you know, having looked up the chords and and sort of followed along, and having played it as often as we have, how many other Kaibosh songs? did the structure of this song inspire? Um, I sort of ripped off the spirit of it for a song I wrote that we didn't really play much called Nine because this is the ninth track on No Code mm-hmm. and I didn't have a title for the song, so I just called it Nine. Yeah. But musically, it kind of started off like like, uh, like Lucan, but then I kind of changed it more into a, a kind of almost surf punky sort of song but i don't think we ever played mm-hmm. that version of it because it was a uh, it was tuned down so yeah and that that was hard to do when you only had one guitar yeah. um well i just bass, really i had more than one guitar right <laughs> but the I bass player only had one bass right i just remember so many of our songs being like three chords that were just like e d c d e d c d or whatever the you know, the key was for that song. And mm-hmm. then I listened to this and I was like, we could have written this. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I think maybe schizo is, are these chords? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, worthless is like just, a almost it. And it just a different key. Yeah. It's this in C it's exactly this in C. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that was before. I think you probably heard this, was... this album. Maybe. I don't know if you were into Pearl it Jam. It would have been before I, I was into Pearl Jam when we started out. I don't, I don't think that this song consciously, I, it wasn't like I sat down to write Worthless and was like, oh, I'm going to rip off Lucan. Mm-hmm. But I think that the style of Lucan and the style of, of No Code in general inspired a lot of what I was doing as a songwriter when I was a teenager. Yeah, because mm-hmm. yeah, it, it came out my senior year and it been your, your junior year. Mm-hmm. And so that was pretty much when we started the band. Yeah, right when the band started. Yeah, so I think, I think yeah, like this this kind of uh, weird, yeah, because they had the weird songs and stuff like that, and we tried to do a couple like weird songs and stuff like that too, which, you know, <laughs> didn't go anywhere because we'd play mm-hmm. a show and people were like, what the hell are you guys doing? It's like, we're trying to be weird like Pearl Jam, but I guess all you want is rock like <laughs> yeah. everybody else is doing or punk or whatever. Yeah, or new metal or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Proto-emo. Right, right. Yeah, so like my my musical inspirations were like this in Mankind. Like this was, I always loved that song mm-hmm. too. Well, maybe I'll have you back. For, well, I don't have anybody for that song right now. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You, you know, as a, as a friend of the podcast, you know, I'll step in anytime <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's, that's how I remember this song as I remember it as us playing. And we, we were still using it as a sound check when we were the attack, like in the 2010s. 
So I mean, it had a long career as a as a sound check song for us. And I I think too, it's kind of um, talking about uh, you know going to Lucan's, got a spot at Lucan's, you know, hanging out there. Kind of reminds me of uh, of Joe's. Mm-hmm. Shout out to uh, Joe Johnson, our friend, and kind of later after we're all graduated and all that stuff, and yeah. we're playing shows kind of going to his house and hanging out and having barbecues and playing in his garage. People just kind of a place to hang out. Yeah. Getting the cops called on us there. <laughs> Running there away from the cops. <laughs> We're, uh, we have to break and get a uh, run out of a dump truck when we're downtown and go into his house. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, we were so stupid then. Was that hot August nights? It was hot August nights. It was so, an ant. It was like a vintage jump truck. That was the whole point. Yeah. So there, there's this thing in uh, Reno Sparks that's called Hot August Nights, and it's a bunch of classic cars. You, you can get them and you show them and stuff like that. And then we have like cruises and stuff. And so kind of people get around and they show up and they watch the old cars and stuff like that drive by and everything. And so one of our buddies had a. Mm-hmm. An old dump truck, I guess, which you could call it vintage, I guess. <laughs> it fit yeah, in it, was... the, it fit in the uh the age range of uh what the classic cars were uh categorized as. And we're all on the back of the dump truck. Yeah. <laughs> and we get in line. Yeah, along with underage people and everyone was drinking. Yep, and then uh we get pulled over, yep. right? Yeah. And everybody jumps out of the dump truck and scatters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I I remember hearing a cop say, we're going to check everyone's ID, and if anyone's ever under 21, you're all going to jail. <laughs> and then I remembered, like, just taking off. Yep, and we went, to, uh, we went to Joe's house. Yep. That was the night you met an angel. Is it? That was the same night, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, no. This, no, I'm not talking about that on this podcast. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh my gosh! <laughs> I think I'm gonna go go through the um as as a uh, uh, a bit of uh, podcast continuity here. Go back through the listen up archives, and I think I talk about it with Harry in a in a B side episode or yeah. something like that. Maybe good times, good times that one. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> but uh, speak speaking of uh, podcast continuity, uh, this song has also mm-hmm. been a sort of uh intro to mm-hmm. not for you it has so that's something that um i mean obviously the song wasn't around long before matt started playing with the band but once matt started playing with the band they started doing this where they would do lucan which is a, a generally a short song anyway as an intro for other songs and so i found two instances that i really liked one was grievance on the 2003 tour at msg Ah, uh, this one's another sing-along.
the other, um, which they've done multiple times, but this is the one that I found on YouTube, was Amsterdam in 2012, where they played Lucan into Not For You. And it's an it's a relatively smooth transition because you sort of because Lucan has that kind of hard stop, and one of the things that Matt as a drummer is really good at is just like instantly starting the next, you know, like almost like it's just like the next beat starting into the next song. So there's this kind of like like just right into it. And as a drummer, I am always really impressed by that mm-hmm. because I always need a second to, in my head, change what song I'm playing from one to the other. And the fact that he doesn't need that is really impressive. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll put those in the uh, in the playlist. Yeah, so if you're on YouTube, uh, Amsterdam 2012, Lucan and Not For You together, it's a good listen. Another live version I like is uh, the Let's Play 2 shows at Wrigley in 2016. If you listen if you listen to the August 22nd show, Lucan is twice as long as it normally is as a track yeah. on there because they stop between the chorus and the second verse and kick out a fan and then just start playing like nothing happened. <laughs> All the fingers are pointing at you. Yep. Come on, clear out, mister. Give me a second. Hey, ma'am, you're okay? Yeah, you're good? All right, good. All right. That's a good man taking care of your woman, and then she was taking care of herself too pretty good. That looked like she was ready. That's good. start over they're just like, yeah exactly okay, everybody knows where they are and they pretty they it, it's pretty much they just all start up just all together at the same at the same spot right it's not even like a one two three four they just no ed, ed they counts just... it in but then it's just like 
boom like everyone's right there like they didn't have to like tell each other we're gonna start at this point it was just like one two three four yeah and it it does uh i think fit in also uh, i don't know it's got a strange counterpoint with not for you because these the chords in this go down and then in not for you they go up right but they are the they are the same key they're both in e Mm -hmm. yeah that's it it does they they fit really well musically these two yeah, it's got you know the same kind of interval, the one three five, I guess, mm-hmm. except one's going up and one's yep. going down. Mm-hmm. Um, that's our that's our little music nerdiness. Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Observation, um, analysis of it yeah, with our tangent, our musical knowledge, being in a band together. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I did want to ask another question about when we played it live of you. Mm-hmm. As we um, think, you know, I'm sure at some point we're going to talk about the lyrics of this song. When we played it, how often did you actually sing the lyrics or something <laughs> like them? Yeah, so this this song is also notorious for uh, Eddie kind of, it, it's got, it's very dense uh, lyric wise because it's a, it's a short song, but it's got kind of a, uh, it's, it's uh, mm-hmm. very full lyrically. I think somebody said it's like, it's, uh, I heard on a, Probably maybe it was the Porch Podcast. They were uh, saying that this song has, I think, like 1.9 words per second or something like that. So, oh, wow. you know, but the chorus kind of ruins that average because they, they kind of elongates right. the words in the chorus. But um, through the verses, it's just da 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 Yeah, it's just straight 16th notes, basically, is what you're saying, yeah. speaking. But yeah, Eddie um, doesn't really say all the lyrics all the time, and it's kind of... Uh, I think earlier in their career, you would uh, get the lyrics more right. And uh, as they kind of go on, as they uh, increase the uh, the tempo of the song and have much more lyrics to remember, you kind of uh, will yep. <laughs> just bark. Yep. <laughs> but since I am a huge Pearl Jam fan and we have to do right by them, I would got the lyrics as good as I could get them from, you know, the limited resources that we had of, you know, looking at my, uh, mm-hmm. at my liner notes for it and kind of, okay, says this and listening to the songs like, okay, those spaces where he doesn't have the right words, it's, I guess it's this and this and this. So I would, I would always, I would always sing the right lyrics for it. And I wouldn't just kind of, rah, rah, rah. I would always have the actual lyrics. I would sing words for it. Well done, Brandon. I'm impressed. <laughs> So what what did you sing in the last line of the chorus? Open the fridge. I I I I, I said open the fridge. Now I know life is weird. Okay, because I've I've seen a couple versions online. One is now I know life is worth, which doesn't make any sense grammatically. <laughs> that's that's what they have on their official site. Yeah, I would. It would make more sense. Now I know life has worth. Mm-hmm. I think on the. Um... On the uh, on the Polaroid, it says, "Now I know life's worth." Where it's kind of the S is right up against life, and but it doesn't have an apostrophe. Ah, so it's like meant to be possessive. Yeah, I think so. Okay, I've also read. Uh, now I know life his way, assuming that's that's referring to Lucan. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I was just kind of curious what you came up with. Now I know life is weird. That's a good good approximation. Yeah. Now I did. 
I did try because you were the ones who turned me on to the slow Lucan version, Lucan 2.0. Mm-hmm. Um, complete with cat skinning diatribe um, <laughs> from MSG in 2010. Yes, because they play with strings and, you know, you've got cat gut. Uh, and right. Old, uh, <laughs> right? Is that what the uh, yeah. connection is there? Yeah. Well, no, he was talking about oh. <laughs> another way to skin a cat. And then he said, what does that saying even mean? Like, who's out there skinning cats? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I did listen to that one a couple times uh, to prepare for this. And I thought like, hey, it's slow. I'm going to be able to actually know the lyrics. And then he sings completely different lyrics. not complete well yeah not completely different but the parts where i was actually like curious about what he was really saying were not similar to the no code version yeah yeah and i think i think they kind of experimented and did that because uh, at that at that show they played um just breathe right before it so they had the the strings already out for that and we're just going like, hey you know we got him here let's try it let's just uh try it this way too yeah it's a longer version but it doesn't i feel like maybe because i've listened to mm-hmm. luke in the no code way so long it didn't you know like how how they did the the two versions of jeremy mm-hmm. they did the like album version of jeremy and then for a while they were doing that kind of slow version of jeremy the no jeremy yeah the no jeremy and it felt different and it still kind of felt 
right thematically with the song. I did mm-hmm. not get that sense from the slow Lucan. I felt like it was just like more of a gimmick than like a different take. Do you think that when people do that, where they'll, they might do a cover song of like a, another song and they'll, uh, Oh, there's like especially the uh, the uh, the scourge that we had for a little while of uh, people doing acoustic white people doing acoustic versions of like rap songs yeah, those... and stuff like that where people will kind of change things up and be like oh hey we're doing a fast song slow hey everybody look yeah at no us. I always, I always felt that was really gimmicky yeah yeah so you think Pearl Jam was guilty of that for that uh that instant yeah <laughs> yeah I think so. I think it was it, it wasn't like hey there's more to this song and I want you guys to hear it artistically it was more like hey look it's normally fast and now we're playing it slow. Yeah. Well, I mean it it was a it was a Madison Square Garden show so they kind of just do weird stuff. Right. And weird stuff's okay and it's like like not everything has to have a deep meaning like I'm not like mad at them for that but at the same time it's not like like it's the slow version isn't like, oh my God, you've got to hear the slow version. It's so much better. Or it's so different. Or there's this part of it. It's just like, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, it's slow. Um, another slow version of a of a song, like you were talking about that whole like, oh, let's play everything acoustic because it sounds different, um, was that I wanted to mention was Chris Cornell's cover of Billie Jean, mm-hmm. which, I, which I thought was a good version of that because... Yeah it was you know sort of mournful and slow and brought in more of the themes of the lyrics of billy jean which have yeah. a lot of parallels this i mean lucan is sort of pearl jam's billy jean yeah i see that you know being about a, a stalker chick who claims that ed fathered her children and and then drove into her drove into his house right exactly what did someone ever drive into neverland ranch probably not um, I think probably the less said about that, the better. Okay, right, right, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, forget I said anything. <laughs> so inappropriate. Uh, yeah, but yeah, because this is, uh, Eddie would not go home sometimes because he didn't want to deal with uh, people crowded around in front of his house and this uh, stalker problem he said that he would have, and so he would, you know, walk by McDonald's the arches stinking grease and bone and uh because he was a vegetarian at this point i don't know if he still is or he's vegan mm-hmm. at all or whatever but anyway then he would go to uh to matt lucan's house and and hang out there and presumably what was in lucan's fridge was beer that's i mean yes i think that's sort of the implication there yeah because if you're gonna go over to somebody's house i mean what are you gonna do when you open the fridge you're gonna say oh hey can i have this leftover pizza you have in here like, oh. Yeah, it's like, oh, sweet celery. <laughs> like, no, you're looking for beer, man. And I would assume that that Matt Lucan always had beer in his fridge. Yeah. Seems like the kind of guy, <laughs> guy that would. He might not have much else, but he would always have beer. Yeah. So they have played this 229 times live, um, which you and I have already talked about. This we're pretty sure is more times than you and I have played it. <laughs> uh yeah they they've been a band they've, they've been playing the song for at least uh 25 years or so right yeah but we did see it twice live back to back together in 2003 oh yeah yeah they played it in irving and irvine and then again the next night in vegas so it'd be the uh the second irvine show then yeah the one where we we missed the encore where matt played guitar <laughs> And uh, and Jack Irons came back. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, um, they're going to play Yellow Lead better. Let's leave and beat the yeah. traffic. And then the radio was playing the rest of the, they were radio simulcasting the show or something like that. And he was mm-hmm. like, oh, we got Jack and we play Rock in the Free World. I'm like, motherfucker. <laughs> yep. Oh, we missed it. <laughs> so many mistakes we made back then, Brandon. So many mistakes. <laughs> Uh, in total, I've seen this uh, song six times. Oh, wow. Uh, I saw it at the last show. Wait, no, not the last show I went to. I saw it in the uh, it was Avocado Tour in San Francisco. Let's see. Saw it at the 20-year Vegas show. Mm-hmm. Uh, saw it on San Diego in the Yield Tour. And then uh, saw it at my first show that I went to in Sacramento. Right. At uh, what is now Sleep Train, right? Yes. Cal Expo whatever mm-hmm. yeah where but yeah so yeah that was the first time i heard it and they also they played uh they played jeremy the new way the no jeremy and so I was like what the heck is this and then when you realize that it's jeremy mm-hmm. it's kind of like oh whoa and then they played um lucan which is like what the hell is this what's what's yep. the song this is a new song oh my gosh and you know the 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 pit was going wild and the dirt was was uh was floating up in the air and stuff like that because it wasn't quite dark I think when they uh, when they started, and um, and then they played Habit too. Oh wow! Yeah, so that was, and I think it was only the second time they played Habit. So that was like, oh my gosh, another new yeah. song! Whoa, what's going on? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was a, that was that was a damn. That was a pretty good show. Yeah. <laughs> <I> think about. <laughs> and and Deftones were the open for that. No, it was uh, Bad Religion. Oh, Bad Religion was the open. Yeah, that's an epic show, Brandon. Yeah, I think. Uh, what is it? Yeah, at the if, if, as. You know, this, this, uh, as you listen to these chronologically, as I put these out, I talk about them playing Habit. And, um, so of course, I don't need to explain it again for you, but for those continuity heads out there, oh, as I (laughs) create the Better Band podcast universe, uh, saying that they probably played Lucan and Habit, uh, because Bad Religion was, you know, punk and they kind of were, had that energy. Mm -hmm. And so Pearl Jam's kind of like, okay, I think we need some more stuff that kind of, matches that energy yeah which is a strength of pearl jam as a band is that you know and especially now with such a deep catalog they could do a show of all songs that my wife likes or they could do a show of almost all punk songs and they could really you know like they've they've got enough of everything like they're not sort of locked into one sound yeah they could do like all non-album tracks total b-side show oh man how crazy would that be what b-sides only show like they've done (laughs) i know they've done shows where they've played like all of riot act or like all of all verses and no code it would be cool if they did like an all of lost dog show and it's still it's still got yellow lead better on there i guess so people would be into it i guess what do we have it do we have anything else i mean this is the, the 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 song itself how do you i don't know do you like the song itself I do. I like it. It's like I said, like I said earlier, when I was a teenager, like this was the sound that spoke to me as a musician, this sort of not sort of post grunge or post punk, I guess is what you would mm-hmm. call it. That that's sort of hard and fast, but still with the heavy distortion. And well, that's not really what post punk is, but no, what is post? Okay. Help me out here, Brandon. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. But post post punk is kind of like, um, the pretenders and um oh okay yeah no that's not what i mean kind of yeah is it you know like i'm really into like this german new wave sound like <laughs> Lucan, like wait no that's not it either it's it's it's, it's uh kind of punk adjacent 
It's kind of like like a a punk yeah punk punky rock song punk esque. Yes. Yeah, punk adjacent esque. Probably as, as punk as Pearl Jam got at that. Well, but mm-hmm. then the, yeah, kind of like along with uh, with spin the black circle. Right, because like two. on the on the punk continuum, like this is probably as far as I wanted to go. Like once you get further i i sort of lost interest like sex pistols i was never into and obviously the like pop punk some 41 blink 182 was never really my thing either yeah it's just like that sweet spot in the middle where it's not too scary and it's not kind of, and it's not like ooh, this is yeah this is a pop it's not you know punk right exactly so this was, I mean, this was as a 16 year old right in my wheelhouse, this song. Yeah. And I remember almost like I, I wouldn't say I was disappointed with no code, but I was, I would have been happier with it if it had been 12 tracks of Lucan like songs. <laughs> so, I mean, as, as a song, this is definitely, um, I mean, it's, I would say it's one of my five star Pearl Jam songs only because it's so short. Mm-hmm. If it had been fleshed out to a full sort of two, two and a half minute song, it probably would have been a five star song for me. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. This at, at 16, this was the sound for me. Yeah. Now, as a grown up, obviously, there's not much in it. Yeah. Past, past the three chords and some barked lyrics. So it's, it's sort of dropped in the rankings as I've gotten older and and mm-hmm. more mature but it's still i dig it i really do and now that i've got the history with it like we've been talking about this whole time it's it has some sentimental value that it wouldn't otherwise yeah it's um i th- i think with the sort of lyrical content and the sort of sentiment behind it like as a whole i think it's it's you know it needs to be short you know maybe when they do it live a little faster i kind of like it a little bit better like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that make a good point where it's kind of, okay, we got to have it be a little bit slower for the album just so that people can understand sort of <laughs> the lyrics. But, you know, then, you know, when you're playing it live, you have more energy. So, you know, you have the audience you're feeding off of. You got everybody standing next to each other and mm-hmm. you kind of easier to get into and, and to play faster and louder and stuff like that. So, but yeah, this it's always been sort of one, a like, a perfect right. sort of, I guess, Pearl Jam song for me. And I think that it fits, it fits mm-hmm. well with No Code because No Code has stuff that's all over the place on it. You got the slow songs, you got some weird stuff, you got some anthemic sort of uh, stuff on there. You got the kind of world beat sounds on there. And so it's just, if, you th- if you're throwing everything at the wall, why not some of this? So Right, exactly. Well, uh, we're, we're, we're wrapping up, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah, I think we're kind of... I think we've covered everything that there is to to squeeze out of a 62 second song. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And so uh, as we, as we end this, I've been asking people and that means I've got to ask you, Kevin, what's something you think that people should do for one another? What's something you should do for a a stranger or something that will try to help spread humanity and goodwill into the, uh, into the world? Wow. That is a, Great question, Brandon. Um, <laughs> let me think for a second. You know, you know what's something that I try to do, not mm-hmm. necessarily for strangers, um, but it's something that as I've gotten older, I've made a point of making a part of my life is patiently helping and teaching young people 
when I get the opportunity to, hmm. whether it's like, you know, if there's kids uh, in our community or church community that need help with their math homework, or like the young guys just starting at work who just need someone to kind of say, Hey, do this before you do that and walk them through. And just if everybody in the world found someone younger than them and just for an hour a week, kind of patiently walked them through something not as not as like a judgmental you're doing this wrong but uh mm-hmm. hey let me share with you you know my experience on this i think that the world would be a lot better place yeah i think that um that can help too in a sort of emotional capacity as well because i mean i think that you know you're young you got uh, these old people you got these boomers or whatever and they they don't know what it's like to be a kid man they're just worried about their you know, retirement and money and all this sort of stuff, but I got real problems, man. I'm a kid. And, you know, older people, it's hard to sort of remember what it was Mm -hmm. like to be a kid. And you've got, you know, everything that's happening to you is new because you don't have a lifetime of experience behind it. And, you know, you've got hormones and chemicals in your brain and stuff that just like just amplifying everything around you to making it seem like it's a whole lot worse than you know, as you get older, you find out it actually is. And you just got to to listen to kids every once in a while and, you know, not be like, oh, that's not real. That's not real mm-hmm. stuff to worry about. Oh, when I was a kid, I did this. It's not a pissing contest, you know, just listen to people. Right, and, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, and just, you know, just, you know, sorry, <laughs> if they want advice. Yeah, no, if they want advice, offer them, but at least, you know, be present for them. Yeah, and, and, you know, all of pretty much all of human experience is a shared experience. And, you know, you're uh, like, like with Pearl Jam, I keep mentioning throughout this podcast and everything like that, you know, he's saying really personal songs about personal experiences and emotions and stuff. And somehow it connected with so many people because in, they, they felt the same way and they may not have necessarily been going through the exact same experiences, but there was stuff like that, that, that connected with them. And, you know, if you, if you approach young people kind of like that, it's like, oh yeah, man, that sucks. Oh, I remember when this kind of happened to me or mm-hmm. being honest with people. It's like, oh yeah, dude, I'm kind of, you know, scared too about stuff. And, you know, you gotta, you know, you, you find out as you, you know, get over, there's stuff every day to be scared of, but you yeah. just kind of, you know, realize that you can't, you, you, mm-hmm. you can't let it control you. And there's so much stuff that you have no control over. So you, you, you got to focus on, uh, you know, the the step in front of you that you're going to take and, you know, take it step by step or whatever. Yeah, and make like Elsa, man, and let it go. That's right. right thing yeah (laughs) look at that we're bringing frozen into it it's all coming together exactly yeah no i mean does that mean i'm gonna have to do an episode of uh talking about when ed's saying let it go a little bit and call (laughs) i think you are thanks thanks for coming on kevin it's always good talking pearl jam and also talking other stuff that people aren't going to hear that we uh (laughs) record before we uh start recording (laughs) 
Yeah, no, thanks for having me, man. It's always great just to like catch up with you. You know, like you're you're still one of my best friends and I love just chatting with you and the fact that you get to record this and put it on the internet is double good. Yeah, and you're you're a good guy too. Nah, nah, yeah, you're one of my, yeah, yeah, dude, you're one of my best friends too, yeah. We were, we were in a band together for so long and we wrote, you know, music together and I always loved the songs that you would write and you would always write kick-ass bridges like Stone Gossard. Well, that's, if you can only do one thing, do it well. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thanks for coming on, Kevin. Yep. Thanks for having me, man. Have a good one. And you're going to come back too. All right. Contractually obligated, just like I'm contractually obligated to mention you're a friend of the podcast. Friend of the podcast. I'm going to make a t-shirt. I swear to God I am. The next time you see me. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's what I got to do. Make t-shirts that say Better Band Podcast, friend of the podcast or something like that. And then anybody can wear them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Merchandise opportunity. There you go. Trademark. Better Band Podcast. Brandon Palomo. The Better Brand Podcast is produced by ListenUpReno.com and Brandon Palomo and published using a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 4.0 license. Please visit creativecommons.org or email listenupreno at gmail.com for more details. All music played is owned by the respective publishers and copyright holders and is reproduced for review purposes only under fair use. You can subscribe to the Better Band Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or from betterbandpod.com using your favorite podcast app. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at betterbandpod. I'm on Twitter at Brandon P. B-R-A-N-D-E-N-P. If you like the job I'm doing here, you can go to ko-fi.com slash Brandon P and leave me a $3 tip or give me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and don't forget to tell your friends. If you'd like to be a guest on a future episode, send an email to betterbandpod at gmail.com or send any insights and stories you'd like to share and I'll read them on the season finale episode. Again, I'd like to thank my guest Kevin, and as always, this is Brandon saying, Nevada makes my butt look big. Mm-hmm.